All right. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Hope our is doing well. And today we have a special guest on, Cody Tyler. How's how's it doing, man? It's going good. How you good. been? Good. Good. How's the how's the uh, COVID stuff where you're at? You're in Pennsylvania? Yeah. It pretty much sucks for the most part. They they released um, or they, they lifted some um, regulations a little bit ago. Um, on Easter Sunday of all days, actually, they lifted the ban on drinking at the bar. Yeah. Like actually sitting belly up to the bar. Like there were plenty of people that had uh, tables set up next to the bar where you could eat. But as soon as you turned 90 degrees, that was against the law. That's insane. Um, so they finally lifted that. But there's still bars that, you know, that like I, that I've played in over the last couple of weeks where there's plexiglass to separate parties at the bar. It's like, what's that doing? Like, yeah. absolutely not a thing because nobody's wearing masks because you got to drink and eat. Yeah. So yeah, what's they lifted the that, and they they also lifted the requirement that you have to purchase food with your drink. So yeah. you can go to the bar and just get a drink now, and that's okay. That's insane. Before we get in further, I forgot to introduce you and uh, go ahead and plug oh, your cool. social media and stuff like that, and, and uh, who you are and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's it's at Cody Tyler Music on Instagram, Facebook, uh, not Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Twitter's nasty. Uh, <laughs> I've had enough of that. I, I I get in enough trouble as it is on Facebook, so yeah, I stay off of Twitter. I bet. Yeah, or CodyTylerMusic.com. That's my website too. Awesome. I was looking at your bio. You have one of the, probably the best bios. It's pretty well detailed compared to other people's I've seen. And um, on the on the website. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty um I was looking at it and uh you um I said last year that you got a call from the voice. That's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, so I went down to Philadelphia and we did an open call audition. So that's where you just, you know, sing in front of a, a panel of uh producers for the show. And uh I was in a room. They put us in a room. It was 10 people. Everybody got like 45 seconds to kind of do their thing, do like a verse and a chorus. Um, and then uh, when that was done, they decided if you would go through to the next round or not. So anybody could show up to that audition. And um, there were 10 people in the room and I made it through and maybe one other person out of 10. And they were all pretty decent singers. They weren't that bad. And uh, we got invited to a callback audition the next day where they taped us, sent that tape off to the executive producers in L.A. And then they said, if we like it, you'll get a call. And I got a call and uh, they flew me on a plane on, on their money. They checked a bag for me. Uh, I got to bring my guitar with and they sequestered us in a hotel for an entire weekend. And uh, they said, you made the top 150 in the country. And if you get the top 75 and pass a psyche vow you'll get on for a blind audition and i didn't get past that round of 150 um so then on the plane ride home i actually wrote a song that's coming up on our album that's going to be coming hopefully this year depending on how quickly these restrictions get lifted yeah yeah that's awesome dude um so you have a show like this is going to air tomorrow you have a show tonight friday night on the 16th in, in yeah uh, in, in uh, pennsylvania somewhere Yep, Hershey, PA, right awesome. up the road from the sweetest place on earth. Awesome. Hershey so, Park. so, um, um, are you just not getting able to do gigs and stuff, dude? All the we're, all the COVID stuff. 
Yeah, so this show is, they don't have people packing in, you know, butthole to belly button necessarily. It's, uh, they have tables and you sit at the tables and that's kind of how it's going. And you have to wear a mask if you're not sitting at your table. And um, that's pretty much it. Like they, they recommend that you get reservations, but they are allowing walk-ins. Yeah. Um, the, it just depends on the restaurant and how compliant they want to be. This restaurant being so close to the capital, Harrisburg, uh, they're definitely a little more stringent on the rec- on, on the, the regulations, which I can understand. They're a brand new place and they just opened last year. Yeah. But this this venue, the Englewood, they want to become a nice venue for bands to come through, like people way bigger than than our band is. Um, and they want to feature local bands like us to open up for those for those groups. And there's plenty of good country bands that could come through there and pack five to seven hundred people into that venue and make it a good show it's just a matter of the regulations lifting for them to say okay let's get some national talent in here yeah do they do like covid testing before or or is that no just they, they, they don't test anybody to go in no if yeah, they know, did we wouldn't be playing there yeah yeah i know somebody like um i don't know if you follow joe rogan he's been doing shows in austin and they like have oh. to test people every time they come into the venue and people are like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into the venue if I have to get a test. <laughs> no, yeah. I haven't had to take a COVID test yet. Knock on wood, and uh, I'm just knocking on some wood over there. Yeah, it's all around me. But yeah, I, I've never had to take a COVID test, and I don't plan to unless I start to feel sick. And I really do truly believe that I might have it. Then I'll get a test. But yeah, if if you want to test me, and I feel like, trust me, if I'm running a fever, if I'm not feeling good, I'm not walking around there's no need yeah yeah uh do you think like this vaccine passport is gonna like hurt your hurt like the um uh entertainment industry like the concert stuff if they actually make it happen yeah it's gonna hurt it because not everybody wants to be part of daddy fauci's experiment yeah for sure yeah i'm not i'm I'm not dr fauci's guinea pig i'm sorry i mean yeah look I, i if the vaccine works great if, if you want to take that risk, great, go ahead and get it. But if I do get it, it's definitely not going to be this round where it's still in the trial phase. The FDA can't have a recommendation on the thing for at least a year after it's in its trial phase. Yeah. So the FDA right now doesn't have a vaccine that it recommends. So I'm not going with the vaccine. And I don't know how it could have an effect on my own health, my fertility. I don't have any kids yet, but I'd like them someday. Yeah. I don't want to take I've this shot some. and then find out all of a sudden that my equipment doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a bad deal. I've heard it. Um, it does affect like in some rare cases, like where it affects women, women fertility and stuff. But I don't know. It's yeah. pretty. Um, it's something you don't want to mess around with, you know. So for sure, yeah. yeah. Too many, too many risks right now involved with that, and yeah, I, I trust my immune system enough. Look, I'm a substitute teacher. That's my day job, and. Yeah. I've been in rooms where teachers have been infected the day before, where there have been kids that have been infected the day before. If I haven't caught it yet, I don't know that I ever will. And for all I know, I may have been an asymptomatic person and, and had it, but I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah. thing. it's an invisible enemy. Yeah. I mean, I think that. I had it back at the end of 2019, but I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought it was a bad flu, but I still went to work and all that kind of stuff. So didn't fit me too hard so uh but i was listening to your music the other day i think one of my favorite songs right now is eagle tattoo 
and uh, that song will make a grown man cry, dude. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Huge fan. Yeah. I was inspired. Do you want the backstory on it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess it's something to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I, I got a tattoo a few years ago of an eagle with two dog tags, one for each That's of my awesome. blood kin that gave their life for this country. One of them was my great uncle. He mm -hmm. was in the 182nd Airborne and he, or not 180, the 82nd Airborne, and he jumped on D-Day and then he was killed on June 7th somewhere in Normandy. And uh, that was my grandmother's brother. So my grandmother, that same one, married a man a few years later, and he was in the National Guard as a lieutenant colonel. And they had three beautiful daughters together. One of them is my mom. And uh, in the 1980s, it was the early 80s. I think he was 51 years old. He passed away from a massive heart attack that he suffered while he was at uh, Fort Drum up in New York State. Oh, man. The National Guard every year goes on an annual two-week training exercise and he died on that training exercise he wasn't doing anything he was just lying in bed and he said i don't feel good to his bunkmate he said you go on to the mess hall i'm gonna stay here and his bunkmate left the room and heard a thump here he had tried to get up and just had a heart attack and hit the ground that was terrible that was it. um it was just a, a freak thing and it just goes to show you the the sanctity and preciousness of life that it can be over at any instant um, but yeah, so I got a tattoo of an eagle with those two dog tags and, uh, you know, being from Pennsylvania, I'm an, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I'm an Eagle scout and I love our country. So the Eagle, I always wanted to get a tattoo of an Eagle when I was a kid. And then I was in the shower one day and I had where I have all my best ideas and thought, you know what, I should get two dog tags too, to go with it. that would tie everything together. And I got it. And then a few years later, my brother said he wanted to join the army. So he was in uh, his basic training camp and I thought, you know, I, I really hope that he has a better go of it than my grandfather and my great uncle did. So I sat down and I like wrote a letter to him, but it came out to be this poem, basically hoping that the day would never have to come, that he would be a third dog tag on my arm. So that's where the song comes from. Well, it's like a really beautiful song. And uh, I don't know, it just really kind of made me cry a little bit when I first heard it, you know. <laughs> you know, I guess I did my job then. Yeah, Thank one of those songs. That. It's kind of like that uh, one song by uh, Justin Moore. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, if they never come back home, or whatever the song, whatever the it was like a big hit a couple years ago. I think I know which one you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Justin yeah. Moore is one of the good ones, man. Yeah, he is, and it, I'm pretty sure he's a Trump supporter, but he just doesn't want to come out hardcore. But he's definitely like a Republican, so. I don't know if you, you listen, listen to his podcast. You listen to the song Guns. That's all you need to know about where yeah. you stand. <laughs> yeah. That's a great tune and a great record. Absolutely. It was brand new and sharp a couple years ago. When I got the courage to give the needle a go Three hours of blue ink on a young man's skin Was my first, but I'll be back again Just a bald eagle, proud and true 
those that died for the red, white, and blue. Dog tags for our uncle and sweet granddad. Testament to the pride and country they had. Little brother, how'd you become more brave than I could be? You're a thousand miles away, but I wish you could see. Brother, you make me so proud of you. Hope I never have to add to this eagle tattoo. You were 18 green when you left home Left off for Jackson in that rusty Tahoe I pray those men never come with a folded flag Then your name would be on my arm in another dog tag Little brother, how'd you become more brave than I could be? You're a thousand miles away, but I wish you could see. Brother, you make me so proud of you. Hope I never have to add to this eagle tattoo. Hope I never have to add to this seagull tattoo Little brother, how'd you become more brave than I could be? You're a thousand miles away, but I wish you could see Brother, you make me so proud of you Hope I never have to add to this eagle tattoo Hope I never have to add to this eagle tattoo Hope I never have to add to this eagle tattoo So, so your brand of music, I've never heard this term before. It's black dirt country. Yeah. And here in Oklahoma, it's like red dirt. Mm -hmm. And you said on your website that you would label yourself red dirt, but the, the, where you're from, the, the color of the dirt's a little bit different. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So up here we have darker dirt. Uh, The part of the country where I'm from, I'm from the foothills of Appalachia in Pennsylvania. Um, like I said, I was an Eagle Scout. I was, I was a Boy Scout. We would go up to the mountains um, in the middle of Pennsylvania. We call it Pennsylvania in the middle. No offense to Kentucky. I love Kentucky. <laughs> but uh, we would be in the middle of Pennsylvania, and the soil was very rocky, very dark. Um, it's actually what we call the coal regions of Pennsylvania. So that's a bit where some of the black dirt comes from. And on the other end, south of us is Lancaster County, where the Amish and Mennonites have a large population. And they till that ground down there. And Lancaster County actually at one time was considered to be one of the three most fertile pieces of ground 
in the history of the world, along with like Mesopotamia. So we're going back centuries and I've been turkey hunting down there and I've been on the ground to the point where, you know, I'm in the mud and it's dark and it's black. It's very fertile ground. So, you know, I love red dirt country. That's what kind of got me into yeah. this music thing to say, oh, that's the kind of music that I would play. You know, I've always been a fan of rock and roll and, and regular country, but red dirt country, there's something about it that I can connect and write a song that goes with that sort of label, I guess you could say, but I'm not from Oklahoma. I'm not from yeah. Texas. Yeah. I'm not native to that area. So it's like, we want to be, our band is, is basically, we're trying to be the keystone sort of satellite band for the red dirt movement to, and it's sort of a way to say, Hey, we're with you. There's fans of your types of bands that are down your way up here. So bring your asses up here. Let's do, let's do a festival. Let's do some shows yeah yeah that's so there's, awesome. a, there's a little connection there yeah it's it's kind of crazy like um i've seen some people from like rhode island or like new york that sound like they they could be from texas you know and yeah so i don't think it really matters where you're from it's just you know who you are as an artist you know what kind of songs you play uh who was your influences growing up as far as music oh yeah absolutely yeah. um when i was a kid you know i my parents would listen to a lot of Almond Brothers, a lot of blues, a lot of Eric Clapton and Stevie Ray Vaughan, those kind of guys. And I sort of took it a step further. Like I, I got into the classic rock like most kids up in Pennsylvania do. I don't know how it is down where you are, but outside yeah. of Philly, it's a big classic rock kind of area. And then once you get into Lancaster, there's a little bit of country there. Yeah. So I got into Led Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses and ACDC and stuff like that, especially when I started playing guitar. And my dad started me on country when I was a kid. Um, you know, I'm a nineties kid. I was born in 94. So I grew up at the time when vehicles were transitioning from cassettes to CD players in them. Yeah. And my dad had a, an old Chevy blazer with a cassette player in it. And he had a CD, a Hank Jr.'s greatest hits. So we, what we had to do is when we got a new CD, we had to burn it to a cassette and then he would put that in his truck. So we used to ride around all the time with Hank Jr.'s greatest hits blaring out of his Chevy Blazer. And I think we had Kenny Chesney's greatest hits, you know, back before he tried to be the next Jimmy Buffett, you know, <laughs> don't happen twice. How forever feels yeah. all those good old yeah. songs that he, that he did when he was still Kenny from Kentucky. Uh, those are some good memories as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, as I grew older, you know, I was into the classic rock and then I started getting into the Southern rock more with the Allman brothers. And I became obsessed with Dwayne Allman and learning the slide. Actually, I got a picture of Dwayne over there on my wall. <laughs> that, That's awesome. The, the man is God to me. <laughs> um, so once I started getting into Dwayne and studying slide guitar, I started to really study the blues and I just went, kept going back, back, back into history. And I love history. And that's actually what my degrees in is social studies teaching. But I went further back in to the blues and then I started to move forward again. And then I started getting into old country, Hank Sr. And then I went digging through my grandmother's attic, looking for my mom's records, you know, trying to find Allman Brothers. And I found some Blackfoot and Leonard Skinner. And then I came across my grandfather's record collection, the same one from the Eagle Tattoo song. And the one that stood out to me was Waylon and Willie. 
And that album, you know, the one with Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up, yeah. the Cowboys, and Waylon's cover of Gold Dust Woman. Like, I saw those, I listened to those words of wisdom that were on those albums and kind of saw it as a way for me to connect with the grandfather I never knew, saying, you know, oh, this is almost like him speaking to me from beyond the grave. You know, I'm, I'm listening to his music collection. And that's why vinyl is so um, special to me, because it's forever, you know? Yeah. So then that music started to influence me more. And some of the new country I was listening to, I, I kind of realized, you know, this stuff isn't as good as the old stuff. The Waylon Jennings, the Willie Nelson, George Jones, Merle Haggard. And I started down that path. And then I started finding modern red dirt artists like Cody Jinks, Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers, all those guys. And I consider myself very fortunate to have gotten to see a lot of them when they were still small playing little clubs up here in Pennsylvania while they were selling out theaters down in texas and oklahoma kentucky places like that so that's kind of my musical journey summed up in like three minutes <laughs> that's awesome yeah i'm a huge fan of like um i don't know if you know um have you watched the um the uh uh country music documentary a couple of years ago with uh the ken, one burns. ken burns did. yeah i haven't gotten to see it yet no it's i watched I, it I want one to. time and i I went back to watch it again, but you had to like uh, buy the whole thing. It was like a hundred dollars or whatever. I was like, "Hey, I'm good." Uh, but did you see the uh, Dwayne Allman with um, what's his name from uh, Muscle Shoals? Whenever he did um, um, "Hey Jude," Wilson Pickett. Yeah, Some yeah, dude, I, yeah, dude, yeah, hey Jude. Yeah, that's like probably one of the best solos of all time, or the best covers of all time with the Beatles. That was that was the birth of Southern rock and roll. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. That was the birth of it all. I, I saw I actually have the DVD on my shelf. I might be able to pick it out. I have the Muscle Shoals DVD where they talk about that. Um, it's quite an amazing story because Dwayne was camped out in a tent in the parking lot at, you know, the studio there in Muscle Shoals. And he's just like, just give me a chance. Just hire me as a session guy, whatever. And uh, eventually he got his shot with Wilson and. The Beatles had just put that song out. Yeah, that was and, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and Dwayne said, let's go for it. Let's just do it. And it wound up being a success. And yeah. the horn section on that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If if uh, anybody hasn't seen the Muscle Shoals is, is another documentary people should check out. That's another that's a one of the first documentaries I watched that kind of introduced me into the Southern Rock stuff when I were it was like 10 years ago when it came out or whenever. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of good research done on Southern rock in the last few years. And uh, when I was a, a senior in college, I actually wrote a paper on Southern rock and roll. And, you know, there's a lot of people that they like to talk about the Confederate flag and they like to label it as a racist hate symbol. And anybody that used it is a racist. And that was including Southern rock and roll bands. And a lot of Southern rock bands get a bad rap because they use the flag. But it means a lot different things to people now than it did. 40, 50 years ago. So I wrote a 40 page paper with all kinds of research and traveled the country to find um, sources to kind of refute that. And I, I, Muscle Shoals was a great case study because that was the birth of Southern Rock and it was a multiracial effort because you had Wilson Pickett, who was black. You had Dwayne, who was a hippie, that he was kind of ostracized by Southerners. And then you have the Muscle Shoals horn section, which they played and people assumed that they were black because they recorded a lot of black artists, 
Yeah. But they were actually all white. And a lot of folks didn't know that. Um, and a lot of black legends recorded down there, like Aretha Franklin and Johnny Jenkins and uh, Wilson Pickett was another one. Uh, um, a lot of great artists recorded in the South that were black, but they recorded with these white bands. So it was a multiracial sort of like kumbaya kind of harmony thing. And then it carried over to Capricorn Records in Macon once they uh, continued that. And that's where you had guys like Otis Redding set up shop to record a Capricorn down in Macon. Yeah. Um, did you see the uh, Leonard Skinner documentary that was came out a couple years ago? Um, I've seen parts of it. Yeah. I know it was like really long. It was like a three or four hour thing. And I think I yeah. got maybe like an hour and a half into it. But but they made a movie about the crash, like the plane crash. And then they made mm -hmm. a, another. It's on YouTube. People can watch it for free. Uh, but there's there's a documentary and then there's a YouTube there, there's a feature film. Um, and I got into that like about a year ago, whenever everything shut down during quarantine. I was watching about it, like a bunch of documentaries on, you know, music stuff. And it was pretty interesting. But one of the guys that was in the crash that survived the crash, I think his name is Ron Odom or Don Odom or something like that. Mm -hmm. he, he was like the uh, security guard. And he said none of that stuff in the movie was actually true. So. I, I don't know. It's just a movie, I guess. But, what else do you expect from Hollywood? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I should be surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about burning CDs. And it's interesting that this generation doesn't know what what burning CDs actually is. Yeah. I I did that a lot growing up. I mean, I, I'm I'm 25, so. So. Yeah. I'm 26 and uh, yeah, I, I burned quite a few CDs in my time and it's funny to see kids now. Like I was at the rock and roll hall of fame a couple of years ago, just walking around and I saw a little kid point to a CD and say, Oh, look at that vinyl record over there. <laughs> like, and his mom was like, no, that's a CD. And she kind of looked at me and I looked at her like, God, we're old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I remember LimeWire, yeah. like, my dad got a computer and he downloaded LimeWire. It like yeah. destroyed that computer. It was terrible. Ruined it. LimeWire. BearShare was another one. Just wreck your computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was bad. Uh, but you mentioned earlier about the slide guitar. And what, I can't remember what other songs. Was it Highline Heaven or that you played the slide guitar? Or I was watching uh, some of your stuff on YouTube. Uh, speaking of Leonard Skinner, you did a Skinner cover that was amazing. Yeah, I, four, I didn't even three. realize that it was a a, a a song by them, and I had to go listen to their version, and I like your version better. <laughs> well, thank you. Honestly. That, that means a hell of a lot. Yeah. Uh, if you want to find a version that's even better than mine, look up Jamie Johnson's version. His is really good, too. Oh, I saw that on, uh, on uh, Spotify when I was searching for it to listen to it, but... <laughs> Well, I died some more inside 
visit her For the only time I seen sunshine Is when I went to work Digging ditches for the chain gap Sleeping in the cold This time, please take mercy on a soldier from the Lord of Georgia line. If they find me, please kill me. Lord Jesus, save my soul. I can't go back down to Rayford. That's just an EP, but actually, I don't play the dobro anywhere on that EP. That's all acoustic guitar. That's all. Uh, it's in the case right now, but it's oh, it's okay. all my Martin. But um, yeah, I don't know why we chose that photo, even though the the dobro didn't make an appearance anywhere on that album. But the album we're working on now is going to be a lot better than those songs. Those songs have some of them will be on the album with the full band. And they've come a long way. There's been a lot that's been done and not in a bad way. It's all been in a good way where they sound even better than before. That's awesome. Um, so uh, who are some are like uh, your favorite, like modern day? Like I know you said earlier, like Structural Simpson, like your modern day favorite artists that are that are that are uh, doing like traditional country today. Yeah, uh, my favorites are, are the obvious ones, you know, Tyler Childers, Cody Jenks, Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleton, Jason Isbell, um, 
some of the more obscure ones that I like are like Charles Wesley Godwin. No, he's good. Him. He's from West Virginia. He he's he's kind of like a Tyler Childers in a way, um, where it's Appalachian music. Um, but he's his own guy. He's not like a Childers knockoff. Um, there's another guy from Kentucky named Cole Chaney. Cole Chaney is fantastic. He's got a song out right now called Ill Will Creek. It's a great tune. You're jamming it all the time. Um, try to think of some others here. Alex Williams is another good one. He's from up in Indianapolis. He's been on the road opening for Cody Jenks and Whitey Morgan quite a bit. Um, and my buddy Ben Gerald from Alabama. He's got a, a his second full length record is going to be coming out real soon. I think it's called Up and Headed West. Nice. Um, his, his record that's out right now, Troubled Times in a Tribal Town, is a great, great record. It's a great blend of country and southern rock music. And Ben has been touring with Whitey Morgan now for the better part of a year, uh, opening for him on his acoustic tours and stuff. And I couldn't be more happy for him. And we we talk at least once every week or every two weeks. And uh, I, I tell him, you know, I believe in what you're doing and I want to get you up here to Pennsylvania to play some shows and break in up here up north because people would go for it. Um, and he's another Almond Brother fanatic like me, too. So we got a lot in common and he, he's definitely the one that I'm most excited about as far as new guys that are coming up. Um, uh, my buddy Rich Henderson, I know he's done some shows in Oklahoma already. He's another guy from Alabama. He's fantastic. Chris Stewart is from the Kansas City, Missouri area. Chris Stewart is fantastic. He's got a beard that goes down to his pecker. <laughs> you, can't, you can't miss him. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. yeah. All them guys. So people at home, take note. Right. Yeah, it sounds like down. I need to do some research after I get off this interview. <laughs> yeah. These are, these are all, you know, guys that yeah. if, if they're given the right amount of attention, they're going to blow up because they're fantastic songwriters. I consider all of them to be head and shoulders above me for sure. Yeah. And why does the music and like, why does the country music industry doesn't want to play? They always want to play these pop, like, you know, Dan and Shay and, and nothing against Dan and Shay. They're talented, but why do they always want to play stuff like that? And, and not like the, the, you know, stuff that people want to hear. To sum it up, it's because that's what sells. Yeah. Uh, um, what they sing about, it's it's a formula that's been gone over in a boardroom with maybe 10 songwriters and it sells and it makes yeah. money and it, it appeals to the masses. But the rest of us that like something else or want something more, but don't know where to find it, you know, we want something more. So we're kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the masses, if you know what I mean, it's, it's yeah. people that actually think for themselves and have a brain and it tends to be conservative sometimes, but there are people on the left side of the spectrum that also want that too. They want a little more substance. So that's something that we can actually unite over music. That's what I love about music is no matter what your politics are, you can be united over a love of music. There's plenty of artists I listen to that are further left than Mao Zedong, but yeah. you know, they make great songs and I'll listen to them as long as they don't, you know pontificate too much yeah but, uh what what i love what we love about it is the depth of the songwriting and i think some of that songwriting depth is too much for just the masses to handle or they just don't care they like yeah. something they can sing along to that they like something with a drum machine and a backbeat that they can bob their head and shake their butt to um but you know to each their own and that's fine 
And honestly, as far as my music's concerned, I'm fine with never getting any radio play. I'm not bitter about, you know, guys that I idolize not being on the radio. Will I cheer for them? If, you know, if Must Be the Whiskey by Cody Jinx gets played on the radio, sure. I, I cheered when I heard Chris Stapleton played on the radio for the first time because I'd been listening to that album since a little bit before it came out in May, in May of uh, 2015, Traveler. I'd been listening to Chris because I knew he was coming up and I thought he was something special. But you didn't hear him on the radio until after he played with Justin Timberlake in November. And, but once once I did hear him, I, I was like yelling in my truck like, oh, my God, they're playing something real for once. I was, yeah, I was happy for him. Like, he doesn't know who I am, but I was happy to see somebody do that because him and Cody Jinks and Tyler Childers and Sturgill, they're kicking the door open for us little guys and they're holding it open so we can rush right through. And if we can do that, whether or not we get on the radio, it doesn't matter. We just want to make a living. If I can make a, a blue collar living at playing music and being able to be on the road with the guys in my band and go to a different town and play to 200 people that are screaming and happy and smiling to see us and want to take pictures with us, that's a perfect life. doesn't matter if it's 200 people a night or 200,000. You know, it's it's radio play means nothing to me and yeah. i think it's going away yeah and, yeah absolutely and i don't th- i don't think you really need radio for exposure i mean look at someone like upchurch i don't know if you know upchurch yeah, yeah i know I mean, he's huge without the radio so but yeah he's 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 got his own brand he's got his own thing he, he's like aaron lewis on steroids i guess as far as the politics goes yeah. um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the, the guy, you got to give it to him. He's got balls to stand up for what he believes in this industry and yeah. still maintain a fan base like that. He, he's definitely one of a kind. Yeah, definitely. If I had to compare him to anybody, uh, it wouldn't even be Aaron Lewis. I guess I'd compare him to Kid Rock. Yeah, yeah, probably. Close. He might be our generation's Kid Rock. Yeah. And a lot of people give him hell for the Confederate flag, but I don't really, I don't really have a problem with that, to be honest with you, but like a lot of people do yeah but i mean i personally wouldn't use the flag just because of how it you know is represented now and how it's talked about now and i'm not from the south either so it would look doubly stupid for me but you'd be surprised i've seen more confederate flags up here in my state than i see on the road when we head down south really shows yeah that's crazy I, I, i went on the road and did a couple of solo acoustic tours and I actually see more Confederate flags in my own state than I would in Maryland or Virginia or even some of the Carolinas and Georgia. Like, I see a lot of them up here. I don't know why that is, but uh, I, I personally wouldn't do it. I, you know, American flag. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Just just because of the crap that's going on around it. But if Upchurch wants to wave it around on stage. That's his freedom of choice to do that. Yeah. I'm all about freedom of choice. Let me alone. I'll let you alone. Yep. So, uh, speaking of uh, of uh, of uh, uh, Chris Staples, and a couple months ago, a lot of conservatives had a problem with them coming out and supporting BLM. How do you feel about like, you know, politics and music wise when it's when it's liberal people? I mean, Chris Stapleton's words got twisted. Yeah, and that yeah. may be a hot take, but. 
I read the article, I read what he said. And basically what he said was, yes, Black Lives Matter, but it's like, what kind of Black Lives Matter are you talking about? Are you talking about the organization Black Lives Matter that wants to raise money for civil rights awareness? Are you talking about just the statement that, yes, people who are Black, their lives matter? Or are you talking about the group that waves Black Lives Matter flags in the streets and breaks into GameStop and steals Xboxes and Playstations? Like, which one are you talking about? It, that's, it's such a loaded term because it can mean a number of different things. And the facts, it's 2021 where the facts don't matter. I think what, from what I was gathering, and I am a social studies teacher, but I'm also a grammar Nazi. And I combed through that article and from the context and reading it, what Chris was saying was that, yes, people who are black, their lives matter. Absolutely black lives matter. He wasn't saying that he condoned rioting. He said nothing about that in the article. And another thing that he said was that America kind of, we found out that it's kind of an illusion, this freedom that we thought that we had, we now don't. He's right. Look what we've allowed our politicians to do. Yeah, to absolutely. Us. Look at, look, like, we thought we had the ultimate freedom and that was an illusion. He's not wrong. So I don't understand. There's a lot of conservatives that were quick to jump on him and say that he's this left wing piece of shit. And it's like, yeah, even if he is left wing, you know, it's whatever. I, I like the man's art and I'm going to support him. Yeah. Just because he disagrees with me is not any reason for me to write off his style of music. Sturgill Simpson's not a Donald Trump fan, but that doesn't mean that I don't ever want to listen to Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill yeah. Simpson has said multiple times, I don't like anybody on the left or the right. I'm an anarchist. <laughs> and yeah. that's Sturgill. Sturgill just loves to do shit. And watch the chaos that ensues. I mean, that's that's what Sturgill does. Yeah. Um, as far as politics and music, you know, I, I try to not get into it too much. I let the songwriting speak for itself. Um, so I'll let, you know, people can listen to Eagle Tattoo, decide what they think my politics are based off of that. I mean, it's pretty obvious that I'm on your podcast where my politics lie. But to the to the list, to the first time listener, you know, listen to Eagle Tattoo. Listen to when our record comes out we have a song called fate i can't outrun listen to that song and tell me where you think i stand and if you think it's on your side and you want to support me more because of it great if you don't think it's on your side and you want to support me anyway great if you think i'm the devil because i'm writing songs about being raised with god and my grandfather's gun and taught how to shoot and hunt and you don't like that well then you know sorry guess we're not for you that's okay though you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same with like I Tyler Childers and uh, Jason Isbell. I don't really care what their politics are, to be honest with you. Like any any artists, yeah. as long as their songs are good, I'm going to listen to them. And I think that's where I disagree with a lot of a lot of conservatives whenever the Garth Brooks thing happened with the inauguration and the um, the the uh, Stapleton and the uh, the uh, Childers thing happened. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of took that a little bit overboard, but that's just that's just me. But yeah, and the, even the Childers video, a lot of that got taken out of context. Yeah. You know, he, he when when I when you watch that video again, he's saying, you know, I'm not one to preach or tell anybody what the right side of the aisle really is. He's like, I'm just saying, this song is about, you know, how would white people react if something happened to them? That's that's long violent history in a nutshell. Yeah. And it, it, what it was was the album. I mean, it did make me sit and think. You know, try to make sense of this crazy crazy year that we had 
and I still listen to it. I have it on vinyl right here. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I love the album. I love that it's instrumental. I can appreciate the music. Um, and it, it is an experience and it's meant to be listened to all the way through. You know, you start with side A and go all the way to side B and you don't hear any words until the final song. And all of the songs that lead up to that are supposed to set the tone. You're supposed to immerse yourself in Appalachia. And then when the last song comes, he says, you know, how many men would it take for them to haul off this mountain until we went down into town in a stark rave and anger with pitchforks and torches ablaze, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it, that's what makes it a great album because it, sit, it makes you sit and think. Yeah. I think that's what music is supposed to do or like good music is supposed to, you know, make you think about things you don't really think about all the time. Sure. And Dan and Shay, you know, that doesn't really make you sit and think about anything, but drinking tequila <laughs> yeah and you know <laughs> i mean speaking of dan and shay justin bieber i don't know you saw justin bieber has a has a country grammy now yeah that's yeah <laughs> what was that the song that's gotta make you, yeah or something that he did with them yeah yeah oh my god yeah justin bieber's got a country grammy but cody jinx doesn't even have a nomination that's yeah a, that's that's a shame and a sin yeah but it, really bad deal Speaking that of just goes to show you, it's it's a good old boys club, and it's just you know the same rehashed cannon fodder bullshit as Sturgill Simpson would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of chillers, you have a really awesome cover of uh, Lady May, I believe, on your channel. That's one of the top viewed, probably yeah. the top viewed video on my channel, and I try to make it a point to play that at shows because. Yeah. Some people have come to shows already and been like, you love your cover Lady May on YouTube. Will you play that? And I was like, oh, you know, like makes you stop and go, oh, crap. People actually find me and listen to me on YouTube. I'm not just some guy in the corner of a bar with a guitar to these people. OK, all right. Because sometimes that's how I feel. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just some random guy in a corner of a bar. Nobody knows who he is. Um, I try to keep myself humble and tell myself every day, you know, you ain't shit. Never forget that. You ain't shit. Don't get a big <laughs> head none of that crap and sometimes people come in though and they'll, they'll ask for that song and i gotta remember you know oh you know these are like fan fans and they have an expectation for what they want to see so and, and i love playing that song i could play that little riff on a loop all day it's that's a, a really good song <laughs> yeah speaking of shows what is like the worst show experience and the best show experience you've had as far as like performing goes. Yeah. Worst show experience I've probably ever had. Um, I was playing at a little bar years ago, um, probably a half an hour from my house. And it was the night before Easter Sunday. And it was before COVID and all that. And it was getting down to the end of the night. And the only people in there were my fiance's parents and their two friends. And I was just up there playing like, man, this kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it really didn't because I got paid at the end of the night still because there were people there yeah. when the show started. But by the time it ended, there were only four people in there. Um, that was one of the worst. I've had a couple of shows like that over the years. Everybody does. Um, and then the best show experience I ever had is um, the next one. <laughs> every every show that comes you know that's coming down the pike i'm excited about all of them 
because people now more than ever are excited to get out and hear a band again. Whereas before yeah. there was kind of that stigma of, uh, what are these douchebags doing? They're going to come and make noise <laughs> while we're trying to eat. Now people are like, let's go live music again. Awesome. Yeah. So, this show tomorrow, I am extremely psyched for it. Well, this will air tomorrow. So the show that we have tonight at the Englewood in Hershey, I'm pumped for it. We played one time there before. It's an amazing venue. We have another one on May 1st coming up. We're going to play a little spring festival at a farm in Dallastown, PA. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of people at that. It's like a big open lawn and people can just show up and we're going to jam and uh, they have fire pits all over. People are going to bring their own chairs. Like we're probably going to wind up playing to a thousand people at least. That's crazy. Which will be one of our larger crowds that we've played to. And I'm excited about the potential for growth with that one. Yeah, absolutely. It's got, yeah. Like a country Woodstock. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, people sort just of. show up, and it's 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 a farm where they make their own hard cider. So, so that's cool. Like people are just going to show up and, and drink, and you know they'll probably, probably bring their dogs, bring the kids. It's just going to be a great event. Heck yeah! I bet people are going to be excited to get out this past year. You know. Yeah, especially in PA where the winters are so cold. You know, like down south, you know, you guys could have live events outside almost year round for the most part. Yeah. And we could like the last live concert I was at was in October. I went to see the Almond Betts band and that was like October and it got pretty chilly by the end of the night. And I knew in the back of my mind, I was thinking this is probably the last live show I'm going to see for a little while because it was outside, but we couldn't have anything over the winter. So people now are so amped up after a long, hard winter. We had a lot of snow up here. They're ready to get back out. And yeah, but. I said on your website that you opened up for a bunch of people a couple of years ago. What was like the best person that you opened up for your, or your favorite, I guess. Um, I have to say my favorite one would be uh, Caleb Johnson. He was a really cool guy. He won American Idol a couple of years ago and now oh, he's really? got like a, like a rock band right now. They're kind of like a roots rock, um, kind of like rival sons, like that oh, okay. kind of vibe. Um, he was just a really cool dude and he had just won American Idol maybe two years prior and was touring with Meatloaf's band like Meatloaf like him, oh, really? him to do the Bad Out of Hell tour so he yeah. was singing Meatloaf songs and then he was also a singer with uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra with Ooh, that's awesome. shows and all that stuff um, but yeah he was out doing his own thing his solo thing and he had a record that was coming out and they were just really cool guys and we got to open for them in a historic venue in Lancaster City uh, called the Chameleon Club, which right now is temporarily closed due to COVID. And they decided to move locations because they figured now would be the best time to do that. Um, so they got out so they didn't have to pay rent through the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but that was the only show we ever got to play in the Chameleon Club. But we're grateful that we got that one in. And that was actually one of the band's first shows. And I think we actually wound up bringing more people to the show that night than Caleb did. So really kind of a nice little checkbox. <laughs> Dang, that's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of Idol, like, um, have you been seeing the country people on Idol or watching Idol lately? I haven't watched American Idol since I think the first season that they brought it back with yeah. Luke Bryan and them. Yeah, I usually watch Idol through the auditions, and after that, I'm just I'm lost. I don't I'm watch it after that. So. <laughs> the <laughs> but, auditions, it's great entertainment. Yeah, it's definitely. But there's some yeah. country people in there, like some traditional country 
uh, his name is Alex Williams or not Alex Williams, Alex Miller. And then there's a couple of people that are really good. Like they remind me of, uh, you know, Sturgill Simpson almost. It's just crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome to see, you know, like the younger generation, you know, bringing that back. It's, I think there's going to be a wave, you know, in the next couple of years, you know, with like the traditional, you know, coming back. And like you said earlier, with yeah i mean with, with with the pop side of country there's only so far you can go before it becomes pop like just full blown pop so the yeah. pendulum's going to have to swing back the other direction eventually i mean i'm not saying we're going to get hank williams again but i could definitely see the pendulum swinging back that way especially if american idol is willing to feature people singing songs by those types of guys the the uh, album is coming up. You have a single coming up, and then an album coming soon. Yes. So what we want to do? See, I'm getting married this summer in July. Awesome. So we can't be touring all summer because we got to leave time open for that and for the yeah. honeymoon and stuff. But the plan right now is to release the album in early fall. Maybe have the first single be in late summer. And our plan right now is to have three singles out between late summer and then when the album drops and then drop the album a week after the third single is out. Um, there's a whole kind of marketing tactic I have up in my head for how I want to do this. There's a lot that's going into a lot of planning. Um, right now we're in the stages of planning out if we want to sell vinyl or not. I think we're going to want to. Um, that's kind of where I come from. I come from, you know, you go to the show, you buy a t-shirt and you buy the vinyl record yeah. and support the artist, you know, that goes right into their gas tank, gets them down the road. Yeah. Um, I would love for us to do vinyl as much as I buy vinyl and talk about it. I would be a hypocrite to not have our first album available on vinyl for fans that are like me. Cause I, I'm just as much a fan as you can see, as I am a musician. Yeah. Here. Um, so I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a fans musician in a way. Uh, <laughs> But the album's almost finished. I was just in the studio on Sunday. We got all the vocals done for the remaining songs that we had to do to finish everything up. And I got acoustic guitar tracks out of the way, too. Um, okay, thought I lost you there. We got all the acoustic guitar tracks done, so all of my parts are now finished. So all we have left are the pedal steel for maybe four songs and harmonica for three or four and keys for two to three. Um, so it's, it's coming along now. And that's, we really only have one studio day left and then it's just mixing and mastering. And the thing is probably going to be finished by early June. We're on track for that. So. Can't wait, man. Um, so talking about buying music, um, how important is it to an artist to buy music instead of streaming music? I know a lot of people, if you're not in the, if you don't know a lot about it, people don't know how it, how like streaming works with artists. So like buying music really benefits the, the uh, artists really well, as far as, you know, helping them tour and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, berate people for using Spotify <laughs> Yeah. Or Apple Music, because I, I don't care how they listen to it. Um, yeah. I don't care if people steal my music. Honestly, it's okay. Um, the music to me 
and the albums are a way for us to promote ourselves. It's basically our, you know, when, when we book shows, we send a press kit to the venue, you know, with all of our information in it so they can check us out, see if they like us and want to book us. And the way I see it, our CDs, our albums are a press kit for the fans. Yeah. It's a way for them to see what we're about and decide if they like us or not. And the music, whether they've streamed it for a fraction of a penny per stream, because that's what we make on it, or if they've downloaded it from iTunes and given us an extra couple bucks, or if they've bought a vinyl record or bought a CD, I don't care how they got it. You know, I, I just appreciate that they're there and they care enough to come to the show. So as long as they come to the show, that's what supports us and puts money yeah. in our wallets. And then if they come to the show and they get... Um, and they get a record or a CD, then that's money in our gas tank. And that helps us get down the road. But if all they want to do is stream it, that's perfectly fine by me. I'm just going to plug this phone in because it's, oh, it's okay. low on battery. I don't want to lose you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I find a lot of great artists on Spotify. And I think that's one of the benefits about Spotify. It kind of screws the artists in a sense, but it's mm -hmm. kind of a free marketing thing for them or, or for you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of old school. Like I don't use Spotify a whole lot. Yeah. I'll use it. If somebody sends me an artist and says, Hey, check these guys out Yeah. or, or these ladies out and I'll go and I'll listen to them on Spotify and decide if, you know, buy if, if, if I really like them. And then if I really do like them, I actually still go to the iTunes store and I pay and download my music. I don't like streaming personally because I'm a stickler about like I like to have my own personal library and I like to own the file itself. Yeah. Instead of paying rent for it every month. Yeah. In the long run, it's more expensive and it's more of a headache for me, but I'm such a music geek that I've got to have those four or five thousand songs on my laptop and then load it onto my phone that I can listen to them whether I have internet or not. Yeah. Yeah. What's your Favorite favorite album of art of, of all time, all genres. Album art of all time. Um, Are that's a great question. Yeah. One of them is Eat a Peach by the Almond Brothers. When you open up that gatefold, I might have it here, actually. Yep, I'm going to nerd out because I'm, I'm sitting right next to my vinyl. <laughs> awesome. um, so, yeah, Eat a Peach front and then the back. This is an old copy, too. But then you open up the center, and there's all this stuff. That's badass. <laughs> One day, I'm going to get all stony baloney and count all the mushrooms and see how many mushrooms are in there. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of mushrooms. Um, but this was actually one of the first albums I ever bought. I bought it at a, uh, up here we call them flea markets. Some people call them swap meat yeah. or garage sale or yard sale. We had a, there was a big fleet market down the road from my house. And I was like, man, you know, I really want some vinyl. Like I didn't even have a turntable yet, but I was like, I got to get some vinyl so I can get a turntable. And this was the first album I bought. And the lady, I thought she was, cause I looked up on eBay what albums cost and it was all these first pressings and they were all expensive. And she said 50 and I thought she was going to say 50 bucks and I would have paid that for it. She said it was 50 cents. So I was oh. like, oh man, I got to start going to all these flea markets and buying albums. Yeah, there's a lot of them there. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, if you're looking to get into vinyl and collecting it and 
you don't have a whole lot of money, flea markets and the used section at your local record store. That's the best place to go. Yeah. And it makes the music sound so much better because yeah. when you're listening to it off your phone, it really doesn't do it justice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually scientifically proven. Um, they actually proved it with science and, you know, I'm a conservative, but I am pro-science, but not pro-science in the way that the Democrats like to say. But uh, they scientifically proved that the quality of sound from needle on vinyl is better than listening with, you know, $1,000 headphones to an MP3 file. I bet. You, just, I, uh, you can't beat it. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up and my dad has it like a whole bunch like a, a attic full and a, a whole uh room full of records and that's how i grew up with the same type of music you grew up listening to like almost to the t you know southern rock and you know classic rock and country old like uh, old country and and um it's interesting like all the people that are producing music in nashville today they grew up with like hip-hop and that's what it kind of like bleeds out to with like the modern country it's it's kind of interesting yeah pretty much and a lot of you know like kane brown those kind of guys yeah they grow up yeah. in hip-hop and then they think that they can just sing with a southern twang yeah and name check Waylon or willie nelson or just talk about drinking whiskey one time and that makes it a country song that makes it okay all of a sudden yeah, yeah. i mean um, I don't know if you saw Sam Hunt's uh, thing on Bobby Bones where he did the bluegrass version of his song. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's, he did it a couple months ago, but I'm not really the biggest Sam Hunt fan, but that was pretty mm -hmm. good. He like did a bluegrass version of one of his songs and yeah. uh, I mean, it wasn't bad. This may come as a shock and it might be a little bit of a hot take, but I actually liked Sam Hunt when he first came out. Um. I thought that speakers off of Montevallo, I thought it was a really cool song. Yeah. I recognize the fact that it wasn't country and that's okay. Yeah. You know, like you can like their music, just don't call it country. And I knew that it wasn't. And I was like, I know he's trying to be country, but he, he's definitely not. And a lot of that stuff off of Montevallo, he wrote himself. So I do give him mm -hmm. props for that. I was like, this yeah. guy's like, he's just like a, like the white boy version of Drake, really. From basically that record but when yeah. they call it country and people say oh yeah i love country music sam hunt's my favorite it's like no you don't love country <laughs> music you, you like you like pop with a little bit of twang in it that's okay just don't call it country um, yeah i mean whatever it is what it is it, it, good music is good music but then he started to sell out and he did you know body like a back road like that's a oh, terrible, that was terrible but you listen to some deep cuts off his first album and they're actually pretty yeah the songwriting is there they're decent yeah uh, uh uh 2016 off of his most recent album is is not bad i don't know if you heard I'll, it like I'll, the one he I'll released last year I'll, I'll take your word for it yeah I, I'll, go, I, I'll go listen to it and then the rest is like the normal pop stuff that he does but him and dustin lanch i just can't i just can't listen to <laughs> I remember when Dustin Lynch first came out and he wasn't half bad, but then he just got progressively worse and yeah. worse and worse. And yeah, that's the thing about recognize him anymore. Yeah, like I like like I like Luke Bryan's early stuff and Thomas Rhett's early stuff and oh, pretty yeah. much everybody's early stuff they do. And then they somehow get to a point where they just don't do that anymore. And then, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, 
I mean, I get it. It sells better, but it's just kind of annoying, you know? When I was young and stupid in high school, I listened to a lot of the the poppier guys. Like I listened to older Jason Aldean and the older yeah. Luke Bryan. And I saw Jason Aldean on tour. It was like my last hurrah before I went off to college. It was, you know, the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. And I went to Hershey to see Jason Aldean and Thomas Red opened up and he came out and I was like, oh, cool. This is Red Aiken's son. Like, all right, let's yeah. see what he's got. And he was actually really good. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is cool. All right. This guy may wind up going places. And then all of a sudden he puts out a song like T-shirt. And I'm like, (laughs) what happened to all American middle-class white boy? That was a great song. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like that song and his first album. And I didn't know, I didn't know for a very long time that who his dad was until I was listening to another podcast and he was like, oh, my, my son's Thomas Red." And I was like, what? Oh, that makes sense because his name yeah. or whatever. Red but, Aikens, uh, I mean, he's a great, uh, he, he had a lot of great songs, but he's also one of the songwriters now that's responsible for all this crap. Like him and uh, Shane McAnally are two of the biggest songwriters with all the pop stuff lately. Yeah. So in a way, like I respect Red Aikens, but at the same time, he's one of those guys that, he writes, you know, thousands of songs a year, it seems like. And he's always got one in the in the pop country charts. And yeah. he's, he's enabling these people by writing about this. People complain about the same thing being written about over and over again. It's because they're using the same songwriters. And Red Akins is one of them. Yeah, there's probably like, what, 10 songwriters that they pick from? Or, you know, uh, 10 or 20 that writes the same songs? It's a small circle. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why country radio only plays certain people is because there's a lot of special interests and dirty back room deals as far as all of that goes. Yeah. Me and and all the other people that play music like I do, we want no part of it. We just want to go to a different town every night and be able to play a show to a couple hundred people. Yeah. We're fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know if you know Luke Luke Laird. He's also from Pennsylvania. I've heard his name already. Yeah, I'm, he's I'm not familiar with his music though. He's like I notice, like I look on Spotify every time new music comes out, and he's he writes a lot of big hits for these big guys. Oh, um, but you he, know what? I bet I've seen his name in some liner notes. Now that you're saying that, but. yeah, and and he's the one I'm talking about where he he grew up listening to hip hop. And he moved to Nashville and he started figuring out that he can do country, which, I mean, I like some of his songs. It's not bad, but it's yeah. just it's just not not my thing. So, yeah, the hip hop influence yeah. country. Yeah. It's, it, when you have hip hop influence in country, you take what makes country country away. So then everything on the radio starts to sound the same. Yeah. And you're starting to see that with the features, because when. You know, 10 years ago, if you told the average country fan, you're going to be listening to Justin Bieber on country radio in 10 years, they'd say, nah, you're crazy. I love country music. I don't like pop music. Well, country has gone so pop that now pop stars are seeing that it's profitable to collaborate with these people like Dan and Shay and yeah. Little Big Town and Lady Annabellum and Jason Aldean and Luke Bryan and Kane Brown and Sam Hunt and all these guys. They're seeing now it's cool. So now music is becoming homogenous. 
And I actually blame Clear Channel, which own, used to own iHeart and iHeart Radio. I blame all of that. Yeah. Because they've made radio the same, that their goal was if you're in Philly or Las Vegas or Miami or uh, St. Louis, if you have an iHeart station on, you have basically the same playlist for that genre in every city, no matter where you go. And that takes away from creativity. It takes away from the independent artists and from the new artists that are trying to come up. And it makes it more of a closed door country club type of atmosphere. But our ace in the hole is streaming platforms like Spotify, like Deezer, Tidal, uh, Apple Music, because people can discover stuff for themselves instead of being told what they should listen to by radio. Yeah. And letting that dictate it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really listen to radio anyway. I mean, maybe a lot of people do still, but I don't really listen. I just go on YouTube or Spotify or whatever and listen to what I like. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's, that's kind of, I mean, I know that radio is still big, but I think streaming mm-hmm. is obviously the future. So radio is too many ads. Like I'll, I'll take yeah. Spotify. Like I don't pay for Spotify. So I'll take Spotify with ads over regular radio with ads. Yeah. Any day. Yeah. But, like I said, I, I still do iTunes, so I own my files. I don't have to pay a subscription service, and I get my music ad-free. I can listen to music for, I forget how big my library is, but I think I could listen to it for like 12 straight days, not repeat one song, and not hear one ad. It's great. That's insane. And that's probably not even a drop in the bucket with like how many like uh, albums are on Spotify or, or, or on iTunes. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. crazy. There's, like there's music saying, being released all the time. Yeah. And if you pay a monthly fee for Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, then you can listen to all that music and not have to hear one ad. It's great. Yeah. I don't, the only reason radio is still around is because not everybody's vehicle, I feel like, is equipped with streaming services just yet. But it will be. Yeah, soon. The way a lot of them are already going. Yeah. All right. So this next one I wrote in quarantine. And uh, when I was stuck in quarantine, I got to listen to a lot of bluegrass music. So this one's going to sound a little more bluegrassy, but it's still got that country rock and roll sound to it. It's going to be on album number two. The song's called Higher Ground, goes like this. Tears have fallen from her eyes So that river's gonna rise Nothing but the blues abound Lord, get me to higher ground Now I hear that lonesome train howling out that wailing sound Gotta jump it before the rain Oh, you know I'm gonna drown That train is bound for Denver Calling sinners just like me After a three-day bender Life ain't no guarantee Tears that fall 
blues abound. Lord, give me higher ground, yeah. That sky is turning black And the lightning's gonna strike Feeling now I'm gonna crash Like a stick of dynamite The tears have fallen from her eyes So that rain's gonna rise Nothing but the blues abound Lord, give me the higher ground. Won't somebody help me? Well, I'm losing my mind. Well, I think I've got the key to keep you satisfied. Tears have fallen from her eyes so that Lord, give me the higher ground. Tears have fallen from her eyes, so that river's gonna rise. Nothing but the blues abound. Lord, give me the higher ground. The tears have fallen from her eyes, so that river's gonna rise. Nothing but about oh, get me to higher Do you have anything else to add with uh, as far as your new album and stuff or your music uh, you want to talk about? I, I can't announce the title of the album yet. Um, but for people that are going to the show, you pretty much know what's going to be on it. <laughs> I've got the concept for the second album I'm working on. Um, I don't want to announce the title for that one either, but I've got the concept on it. This, the, the first album's not going to be as much COVID and big government sucks related as the second album will be. The second album is going to be about breaking free from all of the crap that we're being put through. Yeah. And by the time that second album comes out, I'm almost hoping that it's not relevant because I don't want to have to wear masks yeah. when our second album's coming out yeah it's there, there's going to be some COVID influence stuff and it's it's going to be the theme of it is going to be more like a power struggle between a person and other people whereas this first album the theme is more about a struggle with the person and themselves and their own sort of uh negative tendencies that's sort of the theme of it that's with awesome. a little touch of pennsylvania rust belt americana Dude, that sounds good. So, yeah. did you write this whole album uh, in in a quarantine or whatever, or, or lockdown, or did you write some of it? I know I saw um, that 
the uh, higher ground song you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That's going to be, that's going to be on the second album actually. So that one, a lot of the second album has been written under quarantine. Okay. Uh, the first, the first album has been written over the course of maybe two or three years and all of them are pre COVID. Okay. Uh, but some of them, there's a song on it called blessed life. That one could be about trying to live with COVID and everything. People will find that one relatable, especially those that have felt lost during all of this craziness that's been happening. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Well, um, I know it's been about an hour and I know you're busy guys. So I really appreciate your time. You want to plug your social media and YouTube and all that and your shows one more time. Yeah. Yeah. It's CodyTylerMusic.com and just type in Cody Tyler music on Instagram or Facebook. Sorry. We're not on Twitter. (laughs) No, thank you, Jack Dorsey. And uh, you could just search up Cody Tyler music on YouTube. I'm not the rapper Cody Tyler. Uh, I don't even look anything like him. But uh, yeah, if you just type in Cody Tyler acoustic or Cody Tyler and Gypsy Convoy on YouTube, you'll find us on there. Um, and then we have uh, acoustic EPs out on anywhere you stream your music from. Yeah, that's probably one of the best. I mean, I, I listened to that like on on repeat this weekend. It was freaking awesome, dude. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Granddaddy's Vinyl. That was a good song, dude. Thank you. Well, that yeah. one's going to be on the full band album, and okay. I'll tell you this much. It's it's as good as you, as good as, as much as you love it, the acoustic version, you're going to love the band version even more. I promise you that. Sounds we good. We a job on this record. I'm proud of it. And when it's ready to come out, we're ready to release it, I'm going to make a big stink about it. So. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have everything. you on again. I um whenever it comes out you know yep yeah absolutely yeah look forward to coming back yep thank you so much cody i appreciate your time thank you thank you granddaddy left a scar on this world My mama was his last darling girl And all I have left Found on a shelf Old records Willie and Merle Granddaddy was a colonel in the guard Love of outlaw music in his heart. Woman never met, found a way to teach me country music. Where to start? Words of wailing ring in my ear, and I can feel my granddad sitting here. Saying, son, don't quit the music Take what I say and use it When I drop that needle Those words are loud and clear When I drop that needle Those words are loud and clear Red-headed stranger 
Hank and Cash How I love my granddad's stash Lord, I give it all Rest the needle down and talk And pour a glass Words wailing ring in my ear I can feel my granddad sitting here Saying, son, don't quit the music Take what I say and use it When I drop that needle His words are loud and clear When I drop that needle His words are loud and clear Words of wailing ring in my ear And I can feel my granddad sitting here Telling me, son, don't quit the music Take what I say and use it When I drop that needle, his words are loud and clear When I drop that needle, his words are loud and clear